Uh, good morning. I think it's still morning, isn't it? There we go. So it's great to be here today and uh, just excited to be able to share with you a little bit about my life first. As you just, uh, as I just read it, really, it's Isaiah 26, 8, but uh, it hasn't always been Isaiah 26, 8. I'm one of those guys that kind of changed their life first. And that's part of the story that uh, you'll hear about this morning, and, and we'll talk about that. But in uh, speaking of life verses, the, that's actually sparked a lot of conversation among the staff in the last couple of weeks. We began to talk about um, what each other's life verse was and sharing those things. And we've come across a couple of like, funny stories, and one of them I just got to share with, it, with you, Amber Amato who uh, uh, is my assistant, she shared her life verse there. It's Proverbs 3, 5. And before she started working here at, um, at the Heights, she was working as a, uh, an assistant to another pastor at another church, and he had a 7-year-old daughter who, I guess, was getting about to be baptized and was learning all about developing your favorite verse, life verse stuff. So she comes in and sits down at Amber's desk, pops down. She goes, okay, what's your favorite verse? So Amber says, well, that's easy. Proverbs 5, 3. And she missed up. So she, she, she said the wrong thing. So the, the lessons learned. So the girl, she flips over and she looks up Proverbs 5, 3. And she begins to read out loud. And she says, the, lo- the lips of a loose woman drip with honey. And so she said, Dad, Dad, uh, what is a loose woman? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. That's not it. So, uh, boy, know your life verse. Know the address, better yet, know the address, know where it is, know where it's found. But uh, we have some exciting things to, to talk about and, and to share uh, with us. Uh, you know, actually, as a young man, uh, well, my parents divorced very, very early in life. I was, uh, I think, 10. I can't remember exactly, but 10, 11, somewhere along, along those lines. We moved 600 miles away, uh, and I immediately found myself... And, and a group of people making just horrific decisions, even as as an 11 year old child, uh, decisions that shouldn't be made by by any kid that age. But uh, that that was the place and the atmosphere, the environment that I was in. And uh, it was uh, several years later that um, Lord just seemed to reached down and plucked me out. Boy, he just had, had a special plan for me and had some things going on. And, and he reached down and he spoke to my heart. And, 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 and boy, I gave my life to Christ. And, and, and he transformed me and he changed me even as a teenager. And, and he gave me purpose and gave me hope. And uh, one of the first things I learned was uh, the verse that Brandy shared there. It was uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And for many years, that was my, my life verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of welfare and not for calamity. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And then it goes on to say that you will seek me and you'll find me. And you'll, you'll, you'll seek me when you search for me with all your heart. There will I be found by you. And uh, I will bring you out of your captivity. And, of course, the question is, what is that captivity? He's talking to the Israelites uh, when they were in, in, in captivity. And that's what he's talking to specifically. But for us, man, it's whatever's keeping us from really serving him. It's what, what's keeping us captive from being able to wholeheartedly just give it all to him. And so, man, I was just captivated. By this idea that as a young man who had made some very bad decisions and was really drifting and, and, and lost. I mean, and, and there I was captivated by the idea that, man, Lord knew me and he had plans specifically for me. 
And so I grabbed that verse, and that became a life verse for many years in, 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 in my early Christian life because it just excited me. I wanted to know what God's will was for my life. I mean, how many of y'all want to know what God's will for your life is? Just about everybody, right? That's an easy question to ask. And many of us have talked about that. We've taken the studies. We've done all that kind of stuff to, to know or to understand what God's will is for our life. And uh, boy, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is this. You never find it. Am I disappointing you? You never find it. God's will is not found. It is revealed. Now, there is a difference there, folks. It, the, the difference is simply this. Um, it's not up to me to figure out what it is. It's not a mystery that's off at the end of a, a buried in, you know, at the end of a rainbow in a little golden treasure guarded by some green leprechaun that you never can find. That's not it. God wants me to know his plan. God wants me to know what it is that he has planned for me in life. He wants me to know the path that I am to walk down. He wants me to understand those things, and he reveals it to me. The secret, really, boy, it's a whole sermon in itself, but I'll give it to you here in about 10 seconds. The secret's there in John 14 where it says this, that those who love me will obey me. If you, and it says, and if you obey me, then you will be loved by my Father, and he will, here's the key word, reveal himself to you. Boy, that's important, guys, because it really is the path. It's the path that we learn to live, the path that we learn to live on, and, and, and we, we decide to, to, to go down this thing. And when we are obedient to God, we are obedient to Christ, and we begin to understand that, boy, he begins to reveal more and more and more of himself to us, and then we can know exactly what his plans are for our life and to know that plan. And it works. It works. And, man, I've been privileged enough that uh, since 1979, uh, boy, I've, I've had the chance to walk with the Lord and do that. Now, I've made lots and lots and lots of mistakes during those years, but boy, I've been privileged to know that. But over those years, my life verse has then transitioned, or my favorite verse, what I'm going to say, to a new one. That's Isaiah 26, 8. And, uh, and that's what, what it says here. It says, I'm going to read verse 7 and 8. It says, the path of the righteous is level. Uh, you, you clear a straight path for the righteous. Yes, Lord, we wait for you in the path of your judgments. Our desire or my desire is for your name and your renown. Another, another passage, another version reads it this way. It says, indeed, while following the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you eagerly. Your name, even your memory is the desire of our souls. Man, a lot about the path there. A lot about discovering that, that place or that direction or that thing that we need to, need to understand. And, you know, that's really uh, sprinkled all throughout the Scripture. We can see that. Several other passages that, uh, that we have. Look here at uh, Proverbs 3, 5, if we can. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your what? Your path's straight. Absolutely. Next one is uh, Psalm 119, 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. It's good to know where you're stepping, isn't it? You don't want to trip and fall and do those things, but that's good. And then we also found in Psalm 1611, You will make known to me the path of life. That's a really cool promise, by the way. You will make known to me. Man, that's God's, you know, that's saying that God is going to reveal that to us. And so that's really important. Here's one of my favorite ones here. Isaiah 30, 21. 
And just catch this idea. Here I am. I'm walking down through life. I, 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 I am trying to live for the Lord. And boy, there's tons and tons and thousands of choices to make and directions we can go on. And it says this, your ears will hear a word behind you. You like that? You like the idea that, boy, his spirit's with you. He's guiding you. He's sending you. And he says, your ears will, you, 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 your ears will hear a word behind you. And it says, this is the way or this is the path. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. But boy, he makes his way clear. It's really important. So, you know, in understanding that, I want to talk to you kind of a twofold thing to, uh, this morning, a little bit about that, about the path, and a little bit about the idea of what it really means to desire him in the midst of that. And so, as we do that, I want to tell you a little bit of story about one of those things that happened to me as a teenager, as, as an older teenager. We were going camping to a place called Jack's River Falls. Now, I doubt very seriously anybody's even heard of that before. Anybody been to Jack's River Falls here just, just out of curiosity? Nobody. We actually had one person last, last one. It's a little place in northern Georgia mountains, and uh, it is so far out, you have to find nowhere first. And once you find nowhere, then you can actually find. I mean, you had to, you know, you had to get there. And there's a you know, trail that you have to go. In fact, let me show you this real quick. Here's the here's the map. It means nothing to you, but I want to give you an idea. We started on this thing down the river, way over here, you know, and we began to walk. And it's about. Uh, Seven to nine miles. I can't remember what it is, but we started early in the morning. You can see there, here's a, a Tennessee state line right there. This is Tennessee. This is Georgia. And you're walking down this river all the way down through here, and then you finally get over here to Jack's River Falls. And here's the path that we followed. Now, good thing that while we were there, it was very clearly marked. You know, we had, uh, we went to about this time of year. It was, uh, March or April. I can't remember exactly. It's been too long ago, but, uh, we went and it was about this time of year. But when we got there, uh, we parked our vehicles and stuff and there's about 20 of us guys. And you can see that the path was clear. It was clear. There was, uh, you know, it was used. Uh, they had maintained it very well as a, you know, in the state park. Uh, actually, National Park, Cahutta National Forest. And uh, so they'd maintained that well. The uh, the trees had markers on them where they were painted certain colors, you know, blue, yellow, red, whatever. And you determine or you choose that path uh, that you're going to go on, and that's what you did. So we were going to follow that path. And so really what it talks about here when, when we're talking about going down this path is really brings us to Really, the first point of the whole thing of what I'm saying is, uh, we see in verse 7, the path of the righteous is level. The path for the, you know, he clears the straight path for the righteous. And yes, Lord, we wait for you on the path. The first point that we have to do is we have to determine our path. We have to determine our path. We had multiple choices at this moment. When we were there, we could have gone a lot of different ways. In fact, as we walked down this trail uh, for those seven or nine miles, I, I, we'll, we'll just call it eight miles. How about that? Because I don't remember. So we walked down those eight miles down this path. Uh, we had multiple opportunities to get off the path. We had multiple places we could turn off and see other things. But we started the morning, we didn't get there. Now, there was a couple of problems along the way. Uh, one was that the week before, it's kind of been a winter kind of like this. The week before, there was a really late snow, and it was a big one. And so one week before we got there, it snowed up the mountains and all that stuff. And then when we took off that morning, it was pretty warm. 
It was in the 60s or 70s. So put the two together, what happens? You know, you got thick snow, warm weather, what happens? It melts. And so when all that snow melts, what happens to the river? It rises a little bit. So we had a really strong current, strong river. And what we really didn't understand, we thought we were going to have to cross the um, the, the river at some strategic locations about five or six times. But during this journey, we crossed the river 21 times. And, you know, at first it was pretty easy. We were able to walk across, step carefully across the rocks and get to the other side because it was kind of spread out and we were able to do that. But by the time we got up there closer to the falls and we were in the middle where things had really narrowed down, you had mountains on both sides and you were walking down through there, there was one place that the water had really narrowed down to about 10 foot across, all the water and 10 foot across. It was coming through and it was really uh, dangerous and it was really strong and us being the wise young men that we were, we found a way. We found us a tree, and we lodged it between the rocks, got it somehow over there, and we kind of crawled across the rocks and half our body in the water and tried to do this stuff, and uh, it was really stupid. <laughs> we, we didn't lose anybody, though. We only lost one tent and one sleeping bag along the way, but uh, we got there. Uh, man, there were some other things. There were some, some other dangers along the way. Um, didn't see any, praise the Lord, but, uh, man, there were bears all in the place. You see signs all over the place, you know, bears and stuff and, and snakes i think because of the snow the snakes weren't out uh but uh, you know they're they're well known to be in the area but hey the whole point of the of the purpose of what i'm really trying to share with you is this that man we were setting out on a destiny in fact andy stanley says this about determining our path in his book principle of the path it says whatever path you are on it is where you end up. That's kind of kind of interesting, isn't it? Whatever path, you know, in other words, your direction determines your destination. And so even though we had to cross the river, we had to do those things, we knew where we were going, we knew where we were, we had set our eyes to be, and we just kept on following that principle or following that path until we got to our destination. And that's a pretty important thing, but folks, let me tell you something. In life, how often do we find our place find ourselves in places we never thought this is what we dreamed of. This is not what we thought. This is not, you know, boy, this is not what I thought things were going to be like. You know, sometimes life throws us some curveballs. Sometimes it throws us some things that we're not expecting and that are out of our control. You know, uh, sometimes we're facing an unexpected illness or we're standing at the graveside of somebody that we love and we didn't really expect that. Maybe we get news from somebody that we love and care about and we hear that they're making just terrible choices in life. And, and, and it disturbs our soul. It hurts us because we're, we're so concerned about them. I mean, we can go right down the list. Maybe we lost a job. We, we, we did some different things. You, you can go through and we have these unexpected situations that come. But it doesn't change this principle that, man, uh, once we choose our path, that, you know, our direction determines our destination. And once we get there, that's a whole different story. But, boy, we have to be able to tread through these difficulties in life. Unfortunately, though, many times it's not so much the unexpected things that we have no control over. Often it's... It can be unexpected, but it's things we do have control over. We make choices. We wander off the path. We take a different direction. Man, there's a great lookout right over here. Let's go over there. And we, we go over to see this lookout, and then we find another one. Then somehow we don't find ourselves back on the same path we were on, and we find ourselves 
lost and confused and off somewhere where we, we weren't expecting it. You know, and I tell you, folks, it's important to understand that we have to decide that we want to be on the right path. What is that path? Let's look back in Isaiah 26, if we can, just for a minute. And it says this in verse 7. The path of the righteous is level. You clear a straight path for your righteous. Yes, Lord, we wait for you in the path of what? Your judgments. What is that? What is his judgments? Well, it's his precepts. It's his laws. It's his instruction. It, it's, it's where God has revealed himself through these words in a way to help us understand how we can have life and how we can have it more abundantly. Boy, God is not the great killjoy in the sky just ready to, to hammer us. He doesn't want us to enjoy things in life. But instead, man, he says, look, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the truth. Live in it. And so I think it's a great thing. And then I love uh, what, what happens next. And so it brings us to um, the second thing is that, well, let me show you this, this picture real quick. There you go. There's Jack's River. Y'all want to know what it is. Let me give you a, I wanted to share with you just a little bit. When you look at that, it doesn't look all that impressive, I know. That's the best picture I could find of Jack's River Falls, but it does bring back a lot of memories. But I wanted to show you, see this big boulder right here? This is a, this is a, what I call it, not a rock, it's a big boulder, but to kind of give you an understanding of how big this is, this big center boulder, it's about somewhere between 25 and 30 feet high itself. So that kind of gives you an idea how big it is. And somebody was asking me last, last hour, well, how big is 25, 30 feet? Well, I think the roof here is about 25 to 30 feet. So that's how big that, that boulder is right there. So that kind of gives you an idea of just how big these falls are. They're, they're just majestic. It's an awesome place out in the middle of nowhere for you to go. It's about 80 to 85 feet from top to the bottom. Great swimming hole down here. You can jump off the, jump off the ledge and stuff. Only things that we would do as young men, right? So, uh, but no, it's great. But it brings us to the same point. Not only do you have to uh, determine your path, my friends, you have to delight in his presence. And what I mean by that is here we were, we were walking along and we, we were, it took us all day to get there. We actually had some adversity. We made it. But boy, when we got to the place of our destination, when we got to the falls, it was magnificent. It was worth it all. It was worth everything we went through to get there. And the same thing's true in life. We have to delight in God's presence. We have to do that. It actually says it's something very similar to that to here is it, in, in verse 8. It says this. One version says, Yes, Lord, we wait for you in the path of your judgments. But I like the way uh, this, this other version says it. It says, Indeed, while following the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you eagerly. I love that. And what does that, what does that mean? I, I, I was trying to wrap my head around this, you know, and say, okay, what, what, what does it really mean to wait for the Lord eagerly while, while on this path? And I, and I started thinking, okay, okay, the path is life. It is the way we're living. It's the life we've chosen to live because we're living in obedience to him. So I walked down uh, to Mike Osborne's office and I asked him, I said, hey, Mike, what does that mean to you to, to wait eagerly to eagerly wait on the lord and boy he just affirmed everything i was kind of thinking on this stuff and he just said he says well for me it's uh anticipation it says expectation i said yes man that's it and so what it's saying is folks listen if we choose 
If we make that choice to live in the path of his righteousness, to live in the path of his judgments, to be obedient to him in all things, we can wait. We can anticipate with great expectation that he'll show up in all circumstances. I don't know. For you, that's pretty important to me because there's some great, there's some times I need it. One of the things I love about this church is, man, I can get up every Sunday morning, I can come here, and I have a sense of great anticipation that I'm going to hear from the Lord. That I'm going to, it's going to be exciting, man. We're going to praise the Lord together. We're going to worship together. We're going to hear from God. And man, I tell you, it's not always, uh, you know, I've been in other churches where I didn't necessarily feel that. There was some dread and stuff. I know y'all have never dreaded going to church, right? Amen. Uh, But uh, no, listen, I love, I love, man, coming to church. I love my life group. I love, uh, I love worshiping and fellowshipping with you. And most of all, I love hearing from God every Sunday morning. Man, I tell you what, don't ever take that for granted. It, it's just it's something special. It's exciting. But the cool thing is, man, I know that we can do that. Now, how much more, though, is it other than just Sunday morning? Because guess what? It's also Monday morning. It's Tuesday night. It's Wednesday afternoon. It's every day, all day. Man, if I make the right choice, and sometimes we fail, but understand what I'm saying. I'm talking in principle. If I make the right choice to say, Lord, I am going to follow your ways. I'm going to make the choices to be obedient to you in all things. Man, Lord, as as I read your word and as you speak to me, I'm going to adjust my life to follow what it is that you're telling me to do. I'm going to ask myself, God, what is it you're saying to me today? Is there something in my life that I need to change based on your word, based on what you're saying? God, is there something I need to do to be more obedient to you? Is there something I can do so that, that I can be there? Because you know what, Lord? You have cleared this path for me. You have cleared the way. And no matter what I face... No matter what curveball, no matter what hurdle, no matter what happens that the world may try to throw my way, God, you're there with me. We eagerly await the Lord in the midst. Why? Because we can delight in his presence. We can delight in being where he is. That brings us to the last thing, and that's this. We need to desire his name, his remembrance, his renown. That's the end of verse 28 there. And, you know, up in, uh, in my office, if you came in there, I have a uh, painting on the wall of um, Peter sitting there. And Jesus is kneeling before Peter and, and is washing his disgustingly dirty feet. I mean, he's just, you know, just think about it. They've been walking and they have sandals and they're out in the dirt and they're in the dust and they've been, been working all day. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just filthy. And there, there is my Lord kneeling down before him. And, and of course, Peter, you remember the story, oh, no, 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 I don't want it. He says, unless I do this, you have none of me. And he's there and he's washing his feet. And I have it there to remind me during those tough days that, you know what, it's not about me. It's not about getting my way. It's not about having things the way I want them. But but it's about it's about him. And above the painting, I have written those words. Lord, it is our the, the, the words that you find right here that says, "Our desire is for your name and your renown." And I have that on the wall because that is what I want my life to be like. 
I want my life to be about who He is. I want my life to be a reflection of not only what He's done, but who He is. I want it to be something that that brings attention to Him and not to myself, no matter what happens. You know, we have somewhat created a culture that uh, all of us are kind of guilty of. I know I've been very guilty of it myself. Uh, and everybody here where we've created this culture of uh, really we choose churches. We come to church much because of what, what the church offers us. Not so much what or how we, our life can be spent for him. And it's two different questions. You remember John F. Kennedy, he wrote this. Uh, he says, you know, ask not what you can do for your country or what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And boy, what an important question and what a relevant question because it, it's true in a very patriotic sense that we should ask those things. But how, if that's true in a secular sense for, for patriotism for a country, how much even more true, how much, how much more important is it that we ask a, a similar question that says, oh God, how can my life be spent for you? How can my life be one that brings a, a, a reflection of you to this world? As I'm walking down this path, how can I be a living testament, a living memorial of you? I was reminded of a story in the Old Testament. As I was watching Randy's Facebook this week. He was uh, in the James River. I'm not the, yeah, yeah, he's in the river. The James River. Ah, the Jordan River. There we go. James is here. Jordan is there. There we go. Okay. But as he was in the, he's there in, in, in the Jordan River. And uh, he was, uh, uh, they were doing some baptism stuff. And it's just what a cool experience and, and neat thing for them to, to, to do that. But, uh, but it brought me to a story in the Old Testament that I think is very relevant uh, to, to this point. And that's there found in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 8. What's happening is, you've got to remember, the Israelites had been wandering around the wilderness, lost in the wilderness for 40 years because they had chosen the wrong path. They were not living in the right direction. They were not being obedient to what God had called them to do. And so for 40 years they wandered around. And now, here they were, they're finally going to come to their destination. They're finally going to be able to delight in his presence. They're finally going to be able to realize his total promise. And and he was going to give them the promised land. But there was one more significant hurdle, and that was the Jordan River. And it wasn't like they just needed to get a couple boats and take a few people across. No, you had a whole nation. Millions of people to cross this river. Children and women and, and, and supplies and all this stuff that they had no possible way of getting across this river into the promised land. And so they, they, the Levites came and they were carrying the ark. And as their feet touched the water and came into the Jordan River, you remember what happened? It dried up, right? And they came out and they stood there in the middle of the river. And as they stood there holding the ark for who knows, you know, yeah, it sounds easy, but can you imagine these guys are holding the ark? I don't think it was, you know, gold's pretty heavy metal and there's a lot of gold on the ark and stuff. This has got to be pretty heavy. They stood there and held this ark while the whole nation passed across the river. And they stood there. And as they did that, Joshua instructed them, said, God said, look, have one person from each tribe to pick up a stone from the bed of the Jordan River. And take it to where we are lodging tonight. And we are going to build or construct a memorial. A memorial that says, this is what God did. He dried up the waters of the Jordan so we could possess the land. This is what he did. So, so they did that. And they came and, and, and they built this. They erected this, uh, <clears throat> this memorial 
Because you know why? Because God is concerned about his name. He is concerned about his renown. He is concerned that, that he wants us to be able to proclaim him for who he is. And so they did that. But that was a very public memorial. And we had to ask ourselves a question, man, what, what is it that I am doing in a public way? What is it that, how is it that I am spending my life or what am I doing so that I can be that very same public memorial so that as we are, if our desire is for his name and for his remembrance and for his renown, because, you know, as they had that memorial so that everybody would remember what? That God had provided for them. The next verse is kind of an interesting verse, though. Because he not only told them to do that, he also told them to build a second memorial. And so he told them that as they crossed the river, that they were to grab a stone, one from each tribe as they came across, and they were to come and they were to construct a memorial at the feet of where the Levites were standing, right there where God's power was demonstrated. And they built this memorial on the, on the riverbed. And as they did that, they walked out as the Levites walked out of the river when it was all done and, they, and their feet were on dry land, of course, but when they got out of the riverbed, what happened? The water came and began to flow again. And the memorial was never to be seen again. Actually, the Bible says it's still standing there to this day. So what is that about? Well, it's a private memorial. It's unseen. But it's at the very place where God was doing his work. It's the very place that God had done some things. And so we had to ask ourselves, not only should our lives be a public remembrance of what God has done, but what about the private side of our life? That's hard, isn't it? Man, what do we think about when we're laying there in the bed and our eyes are open? And uh, Boy, the selfishness, the greed, the the worry, the the fret, the lust, whatever it is. Our private lives somehow don't resemble this living memorial, does it? But he, boy, he very clearly had them construct that because it's at the place where they did something. So, folks, what I want to say to you is this. You know what? There comes a place in our life where God begins to do some work inside where it's a very private thing in our life. And we need to construct a way to be able to to remember those things that God did. Why? Because as we remember the things that God has done in our life, as we look look back on that path and we're able to see it, we're able to more clearly see the path that he's laying out before us. And we're able to live in obedience for him. That's hard questions, folks. We ought to do it. It's very, very, very difficult. Let me ask you a question. What is the desire of your soul? How is your life a memorial to his greatness? Boy, when people look at your life, do you bring his name glory? Do you cause people to remember him? To remember him for what he's done? Do they see a changed life? Do they see something that's different about you because of what he's doing in your life? How do we bring renown which is fame do we bring honor to him in such a way that the masses begin to know that's what his plan is and that is my life verse sometimes i succeed (laughs) sometimes i fail but i do want i want him 
to be the center of my affection. I want to desire him above all other things, no matter what the cost may be. And my friends, there is a cost. There is a cost. But it's okay. It's worth it. It's worth it. You know, when we were walking down that river trail, that riverbed. By the way, you saw the thing. We hiked out a different way. We, when there was another trail that went up there. It was a much easier trail. We, we, we went out a different way. We didn't want to do it again. But let me tell you something. As hard as it was to get there, my goodness, was it worth it? What I'll tell you is, as difficult as it is to make the choices that you need to make to really live for the Lord, hey, it's worth it. It's worth it on the other side. Amen. You know, hey, listen, folks. Uh, I have been saved since December 30th, 1979. It's a few years, okay? Uh, <clears throat> I've had a wonderful privilege of just experiencing some wonderful and great things in the Lord. And, man, He is faithful when I'm not faithful. And He is good all the time. He is worth our lives. He's worth everything we do. You know, as we begin to, to examine what, what this should challenge us to do uh, in, in a day like this, let me give you a couple of different challenges and then we'll, we're done. You know, for some of us, we're believers. We're Christians. You, you can sit there and say, yes, man, I follow the Lord. I understand what, it, what you're talking about. But boy, Ronnie, it's hard to be on that path. And I need to, I really need to reexamine the path I'm on. I really need to, 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 to look at that and, and make sure that I'm not wandering. I need, I, I need to be on the path that God has prepared for me. Because it's there I'm going to be able to delight in His presence. It is there that I am going to be able to really... Make his name great among those that, that are around me. Man, I pray for you that God will do that. You know, uh, you know we, sometimes we have altar calls. Sometimes we send you back out to the table. We we'll certainly have a table out there for those who want to go and, 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 and speak and pray with somebody. <clears throat> Let me challenge you. Don't leave today without really speaking to the Lord and really talking to him about man, the path you're on. And asking the Lord to, to reveal that to you and ask. But there are some others here this morning. You're kind of like I was wandering around in my teenage years. You've, you, you may be an adult. You may be a teenager. You may be a child. Whatever, but you're, you, you've never, ever come to a place where you've given your life over to the Lord. Where you've understood his forgiveness and received his forgiveness. You've never trusted in what he did on the cross for you as he died for your sins. Oh, man. Let me tell you something. There is a life out there that God wants to give you. And it's a, it, it, it's a wonderful thing. And if you'd like to speak to somebody and someone say, you know what, I need to change my path. I need to get on the path that's, that, that God has laid out for my life. You want to do that. When you leave today, right through here in the center of the concourse, there's the table. We call it the fresh start table. And it's for a fresh start. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I want to say, there's going to be some folks there. Don't leave today without stopping by and saying, hey, I, I want to talk to somebody about a fresh start. I want to talk to somebody about getting on the right path. I just, I need to change the direction in my life. We have some folks that will pray with you and share some things with you, and it, it will be something that I think would be uh, such a, be the best decision you've ever made. You know, the other thing is, folks, <clears throat> whatever God's saying to us, just take a few minutes.
to say, Lord, show me the way. Show me the path. Let's pray together. Can we do that? Thank you, Lord, for the path. Thank you for your word. Thank you for providing a way so that, Lord, we could delight in your presence, so that we could know you. Thank you, Lord, that you've changed so many of our lives. And, Lord, for the lives that you're going to continue to change. But, Lord, we just give you all the glory and the honor and the praise and the worship this morning because you are worthy. Indeed, Lord, you are worthy of everything we have. We do love you. We thank you for the opportunity to join here as a family of believers and to, uh, Lord, the sweet fellowship that you have given us. God, I pray that as we leave this place and go different ways during this week, that, Lord, we would be aware of what you're doing. God, we would be aware of the opportunities you give us to talk about you, to share about how you've changed our life, to be able to talk about what you can, how you can make a difference in others' lives. Lord, help us be faithful in doing that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.